Praise you, Jesus. We give you glory this morning and we rejoice to be in your presence. Open our eyes and our ears. Open our hearts and our minds so that we can find wonderful things in your word. God, bless us. Remove from us those things that would distract us from hearing your word so that we can be the men and women of God that you have created us to be. Bless us so that we will be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hide and seek is a great game if you get to be the one who hides. I played it with all my children, with my boys many times, and now I get to enjoy hearing my daughter run through the house calling, Baba! Of course, if you hide too well, they get bored and they give up and it's no longer any fun. My eldest, Jaron was the best. I had to trick him in order to win. I had to hide in one place, and then if he passed me by the first time, I'd move over to the spot where he had already checked, knowing that he wouldn't go back. Playing hide-and-seek with your kids, the whole point is to get your kids to think outside the box, to pay attention to clues, to look for what they may have missed. I want my kids to find me. And I want them to put effort into looking. As one commentator noted about the parables of the kingdom in Mark chapter 4, concealment intends disclosure. In other words, Jesus liked playing hide and seek. In his parables, Jesus intentionally conceals truths about the kingdom of God. The kingdom that he arrived to bring, he concealed truths about them so that he could disclose those truths to people who want to hear. I said a number of weeks ago that the parables are both a blessing and they are a judgment. They are a blessing because for those with ears to hear, we have learned something we otherwise could not have learned. And they are a judgment, though, because if you don't want to hear, you will lose the opportunity to learn what you will be accountable to know. They will echo those who around Jesus in John chapter 6 said, these are hard words to hear. Who can listen to them? Now they walked away and they felt justified. Until the end comes, then they they will realize that the judgment on them was passed by their own refusal to listen. Jesus says in our passage, For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this should not surprise us. The cross, the cross itself is both a blessing and a judgment. The cross is a mystery. How is it that one man died a cruel death and all those who would look to him will be saved from our own eternal punishment. Well, the cross is a blessing for those who wish it to be. 
And the cross is a judgment for those who do not desire the blessing. Why did you despise the death of my son? Those are words you do not want to hear. So much better to humble yourself now than to be forced to your knees forever. And yet, even for those of us who wish to hear, the parables still feel like hide and seek. So we ask, we look, we ask Scripture, we look to godly men and women who have gone before us and Seems like some of you listening right now are asking me, so I will give it a go and see if I can, by God's grace, help us to understand. So to begin with, in Mark chapter 4, as I've already said, these are the parables of the kingdom. They are about the kingdom of God. Note what we have already said already. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. The kingdom of God is where what God wants done gets done. The kingdom of God is that area, primarily now in our hearts, but one day everywhere, in our hearts where God's will is happening. In one sense, however, that's everywhere. That's every when what God wants done gets done. And in a seemingly much more noticeable sense, for the moment. What God wants done does not get done around us or even in us. Part of the reason that bad things happen is so that God's people will realize our need for God. Notice Isaiah 45. I am the Lord, there is no other. Beside me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity, for I am the Lord who does these things. How does He equip us? He equips us by forming light and creating darkness. By making well-being and creating calamity. In other words, though there is much evil, though there is much that is not in line with what and how God wants to get things done, for whatever reason, for the present, He is in control of the world and the reality of all the evil that takes place. He uses this evil, among other things and for among other reasons, to draw you to Him. To equip you, He says, to know Him and therefore to make Him known. In 25 years of pastoring, I have seen sufferers who have drawn so close in the midst of their suffering that I am jealous. I have also seen those whose suffering have caused them to spit in his face. Suffering can be a blessing. Suffering can be a judgment. Mystery. 
it is. So what's going on, God? Usually, he doesn't tell. But here, in the parables of the kingdom, in Matthew chapter 13 and in Mark chapter 4, we learn not everything we want to learn, but we learn what we need to know. And what we need to know is Christian. For those of us who trust the promises of God for you in Christ, this world is a perfectly safe place to be. Christian, you are safe and you are loved. And it is true that the world is not yet completely as God would have it be. And Jesus therefore commands us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And one day, one day, He will answer those prayers finally and ceaselessly. Habakkuk 2, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. This mystery of the Lord's will being done and not completely being done, this truth that is an apparent contradiction that God's kingdom is already and that God, God's kingdom is also not quite yet, this mystery helps us understand the mysteries that will be apparent as we get to the parables of the kingdom in Mark chapter 4 this morning. In one sentence, we learn in Mark 4, 21-34 that the kingdom of God, though a mystery to us, is fully in God's control now and will one day be revealed to the world as a whole. Therefore, you and I must choose how we listen to Jesus so that we can both be blessed and be a blessing to our near ones. Our big idea today is choose wisely. And this is just an extension of a big idea from Mark chapter 4 verses 1 through 20. Choose to listen or you will lose your ears. You will hear hints of that big idea this morning as well. But let's get started in verses 21 to 23. Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The truth is meant to be displayed. It is meant to be lived. So choose wisely. Now, I want you to note something that isn't easily seen, perhaps. What is this lamp in Jesus' parable. Well, to simplify things really quickly, it can only be one of two things. The lamp is either Jesus himself or it is the message of the kingdom that Jesus brought. Not getting into all the details, the difference is minute. So we'll just go with the fact that the lamp that Jesus is talking about here is his message of the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now this may change how you have read this paragraph in the past. What is it that is hidden 
or secret that is meant to be made manifest, that is meant to come to light. It is Jesus' message. Why? It's because many will seek to hide that message or hide Jesus. It's commonly done now and throughout history. Some, in fact, will succeed in hiding Jesus for a time. And Jesus intends this to be understood because he's describing the nature of baskets and beds and saying, yeah, they'll hide that lamp. But God's wisdom will one day be put on a stand. His true nature will be demonstrated to be what it is. So choose wisely. Choose to hear or you will lose your ears. Don't seek to be the basket that tries to cover the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus because the flame of that lamp will burn you up in hell forever. History is full of people who sought to disprove the Bible. The Bible, someone has said, is the anvil that has worn out many hammers. So choose to hear. Don't wear yourself out trying to hide what God has revealed to you. If you succeed in doing that, you will have burned yourself up completely. If you fail, you will regret the wasted years trying to do what cannot be done. So choose wisely. Choose Decide today that you are going to get into God's Word. That you are going to allow God's Word to wash over you and mold you and make you into the person that you really want to be. Now before we get to verse 24, I don't want you to miss verse 23. Anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to get back to that verse shortly. Verse 24 Jesus said to them, pay attention, listen, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus repeats the command, listen, pay attention. I'm telling you something. If you have ears to hear, hear. He not only repeats this command, but he accompanies the command with a warning. Choose to hear or you will lose your ears. But notice how these two verses differ from the last. Here, Mark talks about measure. So, does your hearing hold a heaping measure of Jesus' kingdom? Or are your ears full of the world and what the world is selling? Your measuring cup, so to speak, will be filled to overflowing with whatever you try to fill it with. It is not being legalistic to say that you ought to fill your you ought not to fill your ears with shows and music and any kind of form of media that puts the world first and God last, if anywhere at all. It is not being legalistic to say that you ought to invest your time knowing God better through His Word and through His people. That is wisdom. And the blessing judgment aspect of the parables of Jesus and His kingdom is just one more evidence of that. Choose wisely. Do you want pig manure in your ears? You got it. You want life and life abundantly? You got it. 
And the warning corresponds. If you choose to fill your measuring cup with pig manure, then whatever amount in your measuring cup was good news of the kingdom of God is, I don't know, diluted, obscured, or maybe it's just plain vanished. But the bottom line is you won't have it. So choose wisely what you fill your measuring cup what you fill your mind and your heart up with. Of course, this gets to one of the things I noted in Psalm 37, verse 4 last week. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now that is a beautiful and obvious statement. If the desire of your heart is God, He will give Himself to you. Of course He will. How could He not? And likewise, here, (coughs) if you hear the strange sayings of Jesus or Paul or John and say, Lord, I really, really want to know what you're talking about. If you have that kind of humble, prayerful attitude as you go to God's word all the time, God the Spirit will make it possible for you to find the answer. It will take effort. Remember, grace is opposed to earning. Grace is never opposed to effort. And you will find that the effort is worth it. Now, Jesus changes the image in verses 26 to 29. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. We mentioned as we were covering Mark 4, 1 through 20, the scattering of the seed of the good news of Jesus' kingdom. And the the point is that he was generous. He was recklessly generous. Jesus is generous to a fault. Well, except that his resources are unending, so it could never be a fault. Now, this paragraph changes the image just a little bit. Instead of emphasizing the amazing generosity of the kingdom of God going everywhere to everyone, here Jesus emphasizes the mystery of, of the growth of the kingdom. If that seed is spread to everyone, everywhere, some of it will grow. Jesus is emphasizing the mystery. You don't know how it works. It's a surprise. You're not called yet to know how it works. You are called to be a faithful witness to the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. You are called to be a faithful witness to what God has done for you. Now, of course, the farmer today with all the science and technology understands much more how to be a good steward of that seed that he bought. But life itself remains a mystery as much as it was 2,000 years ago. Nevertheless, 
You know when to put in the sickle, when to harvest the grain. The point here is while continuing to live in the mystery aspect of the reality of the kingdom of God, you, me, spread the grain, cast the seeds of the good news of the kingdom generously, recklessly, because you don't know how it works. And choose wisely how you hear. There are, of course, many reasons why Christians don't share the reasons for the hope that is within us. I think most of those reasons are more or less directly related to our fear of being uncomfortable. We must remember why we are here. Farmers aren't comfortable when they're sowing and reaping their seeds. We aren't here for our comfort. We are here to plant seeds. Bill Bright wisely said, share the good news of Jesus in the power of the Spirit and leave the results to God. It's a mystery. Let him worry about the seeds growing or not. You spread that seed whether you understand it or not. Now obviously Jesus likes using seeds as illustrations for the kingdom. He's got one more in his pocket. Let's see what he says, verse 30 to 32. And he said, With what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up, and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Amen. The point in this parable is that the kingdom of God begins small. Look what he started with. Fishermen and carpenters, tax collectors, wannabe soldiers, all of these made a ragtag band of Jesus' first followers. Jesus planted a seed in them that became a worldwide religion. The seeds that small, tiny, little you and I plant are likewise just a small beginning. Do not despise small beginnings. God is the one who makes the kingdom grow. So, go tell your neighbors what God has done for you. Have your quiet time in the morning so that you could tell people around you what you have learned. Do not despise small beginnings. God is the one who makes the kingdom grow. Now, to be sure, He uses us to sow the seed, but He causes the small seed that you and I cast to become a mighty home for those who have ears to hear. Now, I want to point something out. We find an Easter egg of sorts in this paragraph. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, When it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, we will excuse the small bit of hyperbole in Jesus' parable. He's trying to make a point. Mustard plants can grow large. But he does it for a reason. He intentionally brings up the idea that birds can make nests. Now, birds in the Old Testament are often symbolic for the Gentiles. That's why birds as a symbol were viewed negatively. But here, Jesus is obviously using it in a positive manner. 
It's as if he's saying, hey folks, y'all need to look at your Gentile neighbor as the one who is a potential kingdom dweller. As one who is like you, a part of the kingdom. That neighbor who swears every third word when you chat. That neighbor who throws loud parties every Saturday night. That neighbor who drives too fast up and down the street. Yes, that neighbor. That neighbor needs Jesus. Yes, that neighbor is one of those annoying birds that we don't like that needs to make a nest in Jesus' family tree. The family tree that you yourself were grafted into as well. So hear Jesus. Understand that your small efforts add up. Not because you are faithful, but because God promises to bless. God, the almighty supernatural God of the universe, can come and use us. He blesses us so that we can be a blessing. So be careful how you hear and choose wisely. Now, Jesus wraps up his kingdom of the parables in verses 33 and 34. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. You may not like to hear this, but Jesus was selective. Jesus understood that his sayings were both a blessing as well as a judgment. And so, Jesus, being the all-loving, all-knowing God, gave people what they could stomach. Then, to those who wished to know more, those who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, help me understand, to them, Jesus explained everything. Which gets us back to the repeated command to hear. Jesus says, listen. Verse 23, if anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention, Jesus says. You must delight in God if you are to hear. Why? Because there is so much noise all around us. <laughs> Frankly, much of that noise comes from our own making. We are loud because we do not want to have God's thoughts invading ours. It's so much easier to allow bitter thoughts, self-pitying thoughts, jealous thoughts, coveting thoughts, lustful thoughts. Oh, hey, we disguise them. We justify them. We pretend they're not as bad in us as when we see them in others. And, when we are presented with the mysteries of the kingdom and when we are presented with a choice, we will choose, will we choose to have ears that hear? Will we choose, along with those who follow Jesus no more, in John chapter 6? Choose wisely. Choose to listen or you will lose your ears. I told you I like playing hide-and-seek. Eliana is now old enough to be the hider. Eh, she still needs some practice. Mostly what she needs, though, is patience. 
She has way too much energy. She giggles and she bounces while she's hiding underneath the pillow. But I still love hearing her feet running through the house. Baba! But what about those times? Have you ever had one of those times when you hear your own feet running through the house? Abba! Abba! And it feels like God is hiding. You're seeking, but you're not finding. That game is not fun. I think these parables provide a clue. God is telling us in part through these parables that He wants you to find Him. God wants you to find Him. Keep searching. We also find in these parables that for those who have ears to hear, God loves you and He loves listening to you search. He loves causing you to seek out the clues and think outside the box and want to know Him better. So keep Searching. Keep hoping. Now God will one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. And on that day, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And we need to keep searching. We need to keep hoping. We need to keep loving. So choose wisely what you will do today. Oh God the Spirit, we come to you because we cannot do this of our own. We need your gracious power, your undeserved power that we cannot earn and we cannot, we cannot lose once you give it to us, we need that so that we can know the kingdom of God and make it known. Lord, help us this day to know you better so that we will love you and trust you more. Help us this day to be blessed so that we will be a blessing to our near ones. Help us this day to go out searching, hoping, loving, and trusting you and your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.